You're listening to another Leveraging Real Estate Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Leveraging Real Estate Podcast. My name is Ryan Corker and I am your host. And today we have a good friend of mine uh, who's actually in a local mastermind with me, uh, a motivation for me, a uh, very ins- you know in- inspiring uh, business owner uh, in the Rhode Island area, Jimmy Murray. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Dope, man. Very kind words. I don't know if I deserve them, but I appreciate them for sure. <laughs> so um, it's been incredible over the course of the last year to learn about your story and learn about what you do day in and day out and you know what you've built. Um, the last year getting to know you has been really cool. So I appreciate you having me on the podcast today for sure. Absolutely, man. And I, I, you know, that's why I wanted to get get you on. I know we tried what like four weeks in a row, and we just <laughs> we just couldn't get it together. <laughs> uh, but here we are, uh, nonetheless. So, um, all right. So for everybody listening, um, let's just go from the you know the very basics. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, and then why uh, real estate? What are you doing in the real estate world? Yeah, man. So I'm a millennial house hacker turned corporate dropout. So I was taught. Uh, or I was raised to go to school, get a good degree, get that W-2 job. And I'm a year into the W-2 job and I'm like, screw this. Like, this is not where I want to be. Um, so spent I spent six years at Fidelity Investments as a financial analyst. Um, learned a ton, uh, but it just, it wasn't the right fit. So I kept telling everyone I was digging my tunnel out of Shawshank, right? So at the end of the first year, I had failed level one of my chartered financial analyst exam. And I had the decision to make. Do I want to spend another five grand studying for the test and write off six months of my life? Or do I want to take that same money and buy a multifamily property? So you guys know where we're at now with me sitting on this podcast. I bought my first <laughs> bar unit in Pawtucket, Rhode Island for $140,000. Absolutely wild. And I almost walked away from that deal over 1000 bucks because the line, electrical line-in was tattered. Um, current Jimmy thanks Pastor me for not, for actually like moving forward with that. Um, but fast forward five years later after I've, I've left my corporate job, um, I've got a thriving property management business. We have a growing sales team and we're in the process of launching a couple of new divisions. Uh, super exciting stuff, um, but I'm leveraging my INTJ archetype buyers break profile to build additional businesses and bring in entrepreneurs within the business. Um, so that's been really cool over the course of the last year. And I'm super excited for the opportunities that lay ahead of us in 2023. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. Great intro. I don't think I could have done that. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> it's like you've got some practice here. Uh, well, let's go back to the first thing you said. Um, so the first property I ever bought, actually, uh, I was going to walk away for 2,500 bucks, right? Uh, I had offered like, offered like 130. That came back at like 125. And then we settled at like 127.5. And I was going to walk away from it because they weren't—they weren't going to come up twenty-five hundred bucks. And looking back, I would have missed out on like a hundred thousand dollars in profit on that, right? And so, for a lot of people listening here who are like, "Oh my God, it's like you know," but five thousand dollars is like so much money. If you're holding onto a property, does it even matter? Like, does that stuff even really matter? I mean, okay, if you're flipping something, different story. But if you're going to hold something for a year, two, five years, you're going to really kick yourself if you, yeah, you let those ones go for that. For, you know, that'll never make a break a deal, in my opinion. No. Right. Am I wrong? The, the first account I ever worked with, uh, sorry, second account I ever worked with, the one that I actually chose. The first one, my parents said, go work with this guy. Second one, I got to pick. <laughs> um, his name is Ron, Ron Amaral. He's based out of Warwick, Rhode Island. When I met him, he said, listen, I own 84 units um, in Appenog and Patuxent Village, Rhode Island, outright. 
and he told me he's like listen it doesn't matter cash flow cash flow cures all so that 2500 over that three to five years that you're talking about like is de minimis because we have a material lack of inventory on the rental market so if you provide that quality product like you're going to get the high rents and you're going to have that continuous occupancy so 2500 bucks not a huge deal it like yeah. look at mine I, th- I bought that property in november 2012 10 years later a hundred dollars a year i would have walked away from that that's nothing <laughs> it's crazy right <laughs> yeah it's crazy a cup of coffee this morning probably cost more than you know what it costs on a monthly basis for that so yeah i i think it changes a little bit as as the price point goes but even like 10 grand like and most of the time these are finance right so i mean if you have to put 20 percent down and it's a 10 10 extra thousand dollars we're talking two thousand dollars up front for the course of 10 years or five years that you own the property it's just it's yeah it's an absolute no-brainer um but all right what happened next after the four family like why you know you said you got a property management you know i know you flip a bunch of properties like what what came next after the four unit I tried to start a wholesaling, wholesaling business. I don't know why I can't speak yet. Maybe the coffee hasn't kicked in fully. Um, so I started research. Well, I came across bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. I started research wholesaling because I didn't have enough money to buy another property. Yeah. I didn't fully understand the burr method because it wasn't as publicized as, as it is now. Although I executed a successful burr within two years. Um, well, actually within six months. Um, but was able to cash out within two years. So I started... I started to launch a wholesaling business. So at that point, it was called Jimmy Buys Homes. <laughs> so I built my own Wix website. I bought a Carrot.com course on how to leverage SEO successfully, how to write blog posts, how to build YouTube videos that would rank in literally like a minute on Google. It was incredible. And I started generating leads. So by month four or five, I had three solid leads. And that led to my first two flips. And then a lead that I passed to my former partner at Lion, where he was able to buy a single family house and do extremely well on it. We thought it was kind of tight on the flip side because we're still coming out of kind of the recession at this point, right? We're in like 2013, 2014, like prices really haven't moved. Um, So I passed that off. But honestly, I quit too soon. I think the biggest thing within wholesaling is staying power. And we see that within the management business. But as we start to build out the wholesaling side, it's all about that consistent disciplined action that you take it's not three months it's not six months it's three to five years and that's Mm -hmm. where you really see the growth i mean we have we have a close friend in cj moss and i think he's probably in year three at moss home solutions and they just did 100 deals this past year yeah i think it was killing it right i mean six or 87 the year before um but i mean that started out on a much smaller scale but it was a daily discipline action that he took yeah. And if anyone's thinking about getting into wholesaling or trying to generate off-market leads to put under contract, that's it. It's a daily action. Like on my whiteboard behind me, I've got my power list. That comes from Andy Frisella. Like what are the five things you're going to do every day in order to drive the action? I don't know how deep we want to go, but this leads me to leading and lagging indicators. Yeah. So think about it in terms of losing weight. People are so focused on the number that they want to see on the scale. But if you get on that scale every day, every day, every day, but you're not taking the action or driving the leading indicators to drive the lag indi- indicator, that weight isn't going to change, right? So leading indicators, what do you put into your body to eat? How many hours do you put in the gym? Are you doing cardio? Those types of things, right? Um, that's going to drive the lag indicator. And the same thing in real estate, right? So 
if you are trying to generate off-market leads and execute contracts direct to seller, how many phone calls are you making? How many text messages? How many mailers? And what are you doing every single day? It's not, I'm going to do this one day per week for the next six months. It's every day. What's the action? What are the five things you have to do every single day to drive those leads to convert to contracts? 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I, 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 I'm pretty big on direct mail, right? And so I tell people all the time that you can't just send 100 letters out. Like, it, it's not 100. It's not 500. It's not 5,000. It's, okay, maybe it's 100 letters every single week for five months. And yeah. eventually, like, tell me I'm wrong. If I send 10,000 letters, I'm not going to get one phone call back. I'm going to get phone calls, right? You, and it's just practice. It's repetition and repetition. And eventually you get good at it. Leads come in and it's all timing, right? Wholesaling real estate is is a marketing and sales uh, company, right? You have your marketing side and you have your sales side. Marketing is the crux of every business, right? It is the, the most important person in any business is the marketer. And so marketing is just a repet- repetitive, repetitive, repetitive tasks over and over and over and over again, every single day uh, until you see results. And it sometimes it takes three to five years, right? Like we just, like we just yeah. talked about. Um, I get it. It's a lot of money sometimes too, right? Like you, you're, you're chucking money out the window in marketing and not seeing any results immediately. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that it takes time, right? And so from somebody who tried to start a wholesaling company uh, and quit, you, you know, you're saying you quit too early, you know, if we're comparing it to our, our buddy who, you know, people look at him, he's like, holy shit, how the hell do I do a hundred deals a year? Yeah. Well, it's not overnight, right? It's been three years every single day uh, of doing stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's gold, man. Um, so why'd you quit the the wholesaling? (laughs) You know what? So at that time, um, my girlfriend, she needed help with her business. So I built out a website, a web presence for her and got her rank on the first page. It was a a wedding hairstyle business. So I took what I learned in real estate and applied it to that. She was able to close a couple deals. Um, and then came 2015. So 2015 comes and I buy my second multifamily. I bought my first flip and then I launched my property management company in Q1 in 2015. By June, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Right? Like by June, I realized I'm a master, uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm-hmm. So I decided to focus on the property management company because I realized that was what was going to help me get out of that corporate grind because property management is going to have that steady residual cash flow. Um, with my background, it made me very good at systems. So I put in the right mm-hmm. systems to build that residual cash flow to eventually mm-hmm. get me out. Um, but that bought me time freedom. I mean, working that corporate job, like I had to be locked in my cage at Shawshank, as I would joke, from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. I remember I used to go to the gym at noontime, at lunchtime, and I would get told, no, no, you can walk down to the cafeteria to get lunch, but you got to eat lunch at your desk. <laughs> the gym is for before work or after work. I'm like, well, I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm way more effective if I can go crush a gym session for 30 minutes and come back. Like, you guys are going to get a much better version of me. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. So um, that whole ass and seat mentality, like, really wasn't my vibe, yeah. um, which only fueled me more. Uh, so Patrick Bet David in his book, uh, Your Next Five Moves, talks about, at the end of the book, he talks about what people are driven by. It's a punnet square. So I'm driven by madness, um, which is a small percentage of the population, but hearing someone tell me that I can't do something, that I can't use my lunch break to go to the gym to help me be more effective in the afternoon, that really just added gasoline to the fire of what I was trying to build in my nights and weekends. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very powerful when you feel restricted to do something when you know mentally that that's what you need to be doing. Uh, and yeah. it forces you to find a way out of it, right? Uh, right. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that entrepreneurship is for everybody, but the people who feel <laughs> that way, no, genuinely, right? The people who yeah, feel- Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it, it's not. not. It, no, it's not, because there's a lot of people who are very content and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but for, you know, somebody like you, I can just, I, you know, you can, you can tell immediately that, okay, if someone tells me I can't do something and that fires you up, then you are not in the right seat, right? Like you need to, you need yeah. to be, you know, you need to, uh, you know, I, so, okay. Flipping real estate, property management. So we focus, we focus pretty deep on property management for a couple of years. I understand that you guys have bought over like 600 units now that you, you have under management. Yeah. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Um, what about property management is, is attractive to you? And it, cause I, cause to be honest with you, dude, I don't know how you do it. I personally think property management, I, I think the margins are pretty tight. I think it's a lot of headache and I, I, I just, I don't get it. So I, I want to know like, what about, what about it you love about it and why, uh, why you're doing it? Honestly, it gained me access to capital. That was, that was the biggest component. Hmm. And it gave me access to skilled trades. So it gives me the baseline, that steady work to bring those guys in, which now I can relay them on my flips. And this is what we're executing on now. Um, the other big thing is I always viewed property management as the hub. So I talked about this for years in the beginning, that property management is a hub, hub and then you can bolt components on the side. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we've now started to do. So over the next six to 12 months, you're going to see Lion Homebuyers come out. So Lion Homebuyers is going to be the arm that helps our clients gain more off-market deals, um, but it also generates leads for us to buy off-market deals direct from sellers. So that's going to fuel the flip business. And it's going to fuel the growth of our portfolio, my personal portfolio, as well as the clients that we love to work with day in and day out. The second component you're going to see is uh, Kaya Property Services. So we've been able to build a culture at Lion. We're able to attract really quality individuals that take care of our buildings, the buildings that we manage, the buildings that we own. Um, and to date, we haven't had a third party offering in terms of a DIY landlord that wanted to collect their own rents but just wanted to bring us in to work on properties. We haven't done that. Mm -hmm. So it will be more expensive to bring us in if you are not a management client. Yeah. But we're going to gain these landlords access to these services. Every day you can go into the local Rhode Island Real Estate Investors Group and somebody's asking for a plumber, electrician. Yeah, yeah. Every single day I get an email. You Every day. So yeah. honestly, you guys are going to see it's just going to be straight up Kaya. Kaya for everything, right? So we're gonna, we are developing our go-to-market offering for DIY landlords um to gain access to our services so then you're not going to see a lot of those posts anymore because hopefully they're coming in-house to us um but we have a team of great individuals that care about providing quality housing and taking care of tenants and honestly at the end of the day tenants are the lifeblood of this business if you're not taking care of them providing quality housing you're out of business yeah if you don't yeah they're your employees right i mean they're yeah. they're your employees client they're everything right they are paying the property essentially right uh, I like how you said property management is the hub uh, because I don't really know somebody at scale who doesn't either own a property management company or rely very heavily on another property management company to maintain their properties, right? Like this, it's yeah. almost impossible to do it yourself uh, when you get to some sort of scale, right? Um, and so I agree. They, these larger owners and the like 100 units are like, yeah, I still self-manage everything. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a full-time job and then some. Yeah. Right. And most of them have like one handyman. So if you're doing really high quality turnovers, maybe you can get away with it. That's yeah. a lot of work, though, man. I mean, That's we have systems in place 
and it's still like you know when there's cold snaps the phone the phone just keeps ringing even if we yeah. do like the seasonal maintenance the phone just continues to ring when it gets super cold well for me it's like best use of time right like yes. if you're trying to get to 100 units the Dude, the best use of your time is not managing properties. Like the best use of your time is to try, you know, getting leads, like the marketing we talked about, you know, leads, networking, raising capital. Like those are the things that really drive the income, right? You can't, you shouldn't be bogged down managing your own properties uh, if you're trying to scale at that, at that level. And I think that is where, you know, good property management companies come in where there's really not that many of them. Like there's, there's not that many good, good property management companies. Um, I hate, you know, I, I've gone through a couple of them. I've, you know, fired a few and I've, I've met a couple of good ones, but there's not that many good ones. Right. And so I, I know you guys have a great reputation out here in, in Southern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And I think it's fantastic because thanks, man. we need that, right? Like landlords need that people, you know, business owners need a solid property management company. Um, I, you know, dude, I, I just did a, I had a, I had three trees fall on a property in New Hampshire. Three, three trees fall onto uh, the neighboring properties lawn. Got a call from the property management company. It's going to be fifty five hundred dollars to remove the three trees. I'm like, what? Oh, shit, those are big trees then. Or I'm like, trees? no, they were big. They were big, but I'm like fifty five hundred dollars. Like, dude, that's like three months of no, that's like six months of profit on this thing. I'm like, absolutely not. So I had to make phone calls to. I didn't trust it, right? Eighteen hundred dollars. I got a quote for eighteen hundred dollars instead of fifty five hundred. So I told the property management company, I'm like, dude. Get like you know, get your shit together, dude. Like I just got this for eighteen hundred dollars. You're gonna tell me fifty five hundred bucks? Gonna like, what are you gonna do? Are you pocketing the? Like, I, I just yeah, I, no, just stuff I'm, like that. That's that's key right there, right? So transparency, right? So one of the I learned this early on as we were building the company. So when our owners receive their statements at month end, if there is a charge, they're receiving two invoices. So they're gonna receive the line invoice, and candidly, we have a ten percent markup for vendor management. And that's really compliance and liability protection, mm-hmm. right? So we we take care of the tax reporting at year end. We make sure that they are licensed to do what they say they're going to do. We make sure that we are named as an additional insured on their certificate of insurance, right? Um, and that's a component of it. But in that owner packet, line invoice with the invoice amount and our markup, and then you see the invoice direct from the vendor. Mm-hmm. And that transparency is huge because I've heard too many stories like Ryan sharing where the property manager marks it up. Shoot, I heard <laughs> I heard about a property manager in Winsocket that was managing uh, installing a retaining wall at a condo association. And the condo fired this person because they found out that she marked it up to $35,000 when the invoice from the wall company was 15. <laughs> and then she did 50, a 50% markup. Yeah, they did a great job coercing the, the <clears throat> HOA into believing that that was like the right price. Uh, only one quote which blows my fucking mind, right? Like, if you're going to spend that much money, it's going to be multiple quotes. 5,500 should be two to three quotes, right? Yeah. So if you get two at 5,500 and the quality vendor she used before, okay. Um, but yeah. honestly, like, if one comes in at 55 and one comes in at 1,800, like, you should be getting a third quote to figure it out. 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. And uh, the reason I bring this up is because I know that you guys, you know, summary here if you're in rhode island or southern mass if you're looking for a property management company reach out to jimmy uh, all of his yeah, information will be in the, will be in the podcast uh, but yeah just you got to be careful of these things um as you you know especially as you start to grow and you you become a little less hands-on on the properties um and you rely a little bit more on property management companies things like this do happen you know an- another thing is i had a 2200 oil um uh bill for uh november and i'm like okay 
It was 55 Dude, degrees in November. I'm oh, like, why shit. is it $2,000? So I emailed them and they're like, oh, it's a double charge. We'll, we'll refund you. But like stuff like that, like that's another $1,000, right? So it's just, you know, it's, it's a little sketchy, right? So you got to be on top of those things. Um, but yeah, so if somebody wants to be getting into property management, let's say start their own property management company, do you recommend that there's a certain way you do it, uh, you know, by, you know, steps? Or do you think, you know, you just jump right in and figure it out? Or do you learn from somebody first? Or, you know, wh- how, how did, I know you, you started for it, but. You know, what, what about somebody who wants to get into this? Yeah, so my team will tell you that I'm ready, fire, aim all day, right? So I just dive <laughs> in the deep end. Um, honestly, like one of the big things I learned at Fidelity as much as I did not fit in with the culture. I got paid really well. I did not fit in with the culture there. Um, but they invested. So you got to think, when I came out of college, it was 2010, after the, the Great Recession. Um, and I watched them. They were spending $300 million a year investing in technology to further their platform. And I took it to the heart in terms of how I run my management company. So we invested heavily in technology off the jump. That technology is going to help you bring a quality go-to-market offering. And I think that's what's going to separate you. Knowing the technology is one of the largest pieces. So I would tell anybody, if you're looking to get into it, like in my mind, Netfolio is worth the investment. Um, a lot of people like Buildium. I hate property where it almost killed our business in 2019. That was the single largest mistake I've made in running a property management company. Um, but invest heavily in technology. I know there's some other offerings out there. I'm in a, um, I was going to say national, but we've got folks in Canada and I think in South America as well, but in a, um, it's called Doorpreneur Academy. And there are some folks that use some other platforms, but honestly, that platform is really going to help guide your client experience. I think that's super important. Okay. So technology, staying technology. Up, to, up to date, Focusing heavily on technology from the get-go. 100%. Yeah. I, we know we know another kid uh, in, our, in our mastermind, Mark, who is very, uh, who believes in technology as well, CRMs, and focusing heavily on automation and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's made a huge difference, right? I mean, I think he, what, took a zero to, to uh, eight-figure plumbing business in like a year and a half or two years. Something ridiculous. Yeah, fucking um, wild. And he talked <laughs> about it like it's no big deal, right? I'm like, dude, are you serious right now? <laughs> But the other key component there, too, is culture. So if you look yeah. at Mark's company, his culture is incredible. And this mm-hmm. took me a lot longer to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we finally figured it out over the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. So that's funny. Just yeah, because yeah, well, you're relying, on, you're relying on people, right? You like, touch the lip. So, like, touching the lip, that's, a, that's like remembering pain. I did that yeah. subconsciously. So I don't know if you could. I'm always big on my like, oh, trying to dissect the conversation. I just did that subconsciously. So, yeah, it was painful trying to figure out the right culture. Yeah. Um, but we're able to figure it out and we've got a team of killers right now. Yeah. Um, one of the other big things, like as you grow a team, and I think this goes for property management, real estate, whatever you choose to grow, coming out of corporate, I didn't want to do anything that they did in corporate, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever they did, throw it out of the window, fuck that. Like not doing it. One of the things that I've realized over the course of last year is that daily huddles are super important. Right? So our our core property management team, they have a daily huddle at eight AM. And they talk about all the hot topics to set people up for success for the day. Our turnover team has a toolbox huddle on site every morning at 8.30 when they get going. It's either 8 or 8.30, depending on where they're located. And then our sales team has to close the circle, right? And then have a regular cadence, but it's a touch base to open up the lines of communication, but also guide the strategy that you want to drive. So just an example, I run the closer circle for the team um, and we start out with gratitude, right? So what are you thankful for today? Then we go to what the team calls CFK rants, which is a topic that I choose to rant about for the day. 
Uh, typically really gets the team going. <laughs> and then uh, we finish up with a howl. So howl, I call it help, opportunity, win, or learn. And you've got to share something with the team. So this is their daily opportunity to contribute to the team or ask for something that they need help with, which only drives further value for the team as well. So everyone's like, well, how long do you spend on this? Honestly, 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes, depending on who's on the call for the day. So like two team members who are in court handling some evictions this morning, so it was a little bit shorter. Um, but I think that regular daily cadence goes right back to the power list that we talked about in the beginning, right? Like what are the important things that you have to do day in and day out to really drive that strategy? Yeah. So how do you figure out, and this just isn't property management and it just in general for any business, how, how do you figure out what those important things are? Like how do you figure out like what are the key metrics, like, you know, the whatever KPIs, what do I, what, how do you figure out like what it is that you need to focus on every day? Cause I feel like for, that's kind of a challenge for me sometimes you know, I wake up in the morning and it's like, all right, I know what I'm doing, but I, I feel like I'm floating through space sometimes, right? Like, it's like, all right, what do I actually need? What do I actually need to be doing right now to, you know, get better profit margins, to find more deals, to, you know, and it's a consistent battle. And I don't know if it's just me or just every entrepreneur, but, every, you know, you every see, entrepreneur. Or I would say everybody that decides to chase something yeah, who actually wants to fucking do it, that isn't yeah. going through the motions, right? Um, I think the power list is huge. Honestly, one thing that I have here, Kyle calls this my diary, but I have my full uh, focus planner. <laughs> my diary. <laughs> yeah. Kyle loves to bust my balls. Um, I'm just like that pain in the ass little brother that he likes to poke. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, like in, in the full focus planner that I leverage and I've got the whole team using it now, you have a daily big three. It's like, what are the big three things that you've got to focus on? So like today, one thing is like, I got to deal with a lawsuit from mm -hmm. a tenant that we took to eviction court and then all of a sudden they slipped and fell. So I got to call that attorney today. Mm -hmm. um, but that is different than your power list. Power yeah. are le leading indicators that are going to get you to the lagging goal. Your big three in your full focus planner is like, what is the most challenging shit that you have to do to win the day? Yeah. That you're, that you're not going to procrastinate on. Yeah. I think from my experience in the property management business, when I started to fail is when I started procrastinating on hard things. Like, sales are the fun things. That phone rings, like, I'm on it. What are the hard things that you've got to do in order to and attack it? And, and go right at it. You yeah. have to do it. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. like, writing it down in, in my diary or full focus planner. <laughs> now I've got to look at, like, every time the schedule is on the right-hand side of one of the pages. And as I look at my schedule, I'm, uh, you know, I'm consciously making a decision, like, all right, I've got to do this really hard thing. I only have this much time. So you put that pressure on yourself to deliver the results you want to achieve. Yeah, I forget the term, but there's this, uh, I forget the term, but essentially it's it's like if you have something you need to accomplish, whether it's a goal or whether it's a dream or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish and you give yourself, let's say, six months to do it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're forced to do that in a shorter period of time, you will get it done in a shorter period of time than you actually thought was possible. So if you give yourself six months, it'll take you six months. But if you give yourself six days, it will literally, quite literally take you six days if you have no other option. And so I try to almost hack my life in a way where it's like, okay, you know, what, what do I want to accomplish this month? I, I want to make a hundred grand this month, right? What do, okay, well, how do I get to a hundred thousand dollars this month? And then how do I shave that down to force myself to get it done in a week? Right. And so, and it doesn't have to be money. It could be how many phone calls you make, how many agents you reach out to, uh, whatever it may be. But if you shrink the time to actually do something and force yourself to do it, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can actually get things done. Uh, and that has been a way for me personally to really uh, almost have multiple work days in one day, right? Like, yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I really think people who are listening to this should really think about that because uh, I know you do it. I know a lot of other success pe- successful people who do it. And people look at us like, how do we accomplish these things so fast? So well, it's because we shrink the amount of time that we actually <laughs> we shrink the time essentially. We're creating more time for ourselves by doing more things, but shrinking the amount of time it takes to actually do them. Um, so I love that. I've heard that a few times, but more recently, this just shows synchronicity within the universe. That's actually called Parkinson's law. Yes, <laughs> like, that's what it is. That's what it that's is. What it is. But it's funny because, so one of the like I believe in the power of the universe. So speaking into existence and take action to make it happen. It's going to happen a lot sooner when you tell the universe what you want. And controlling thoughts inside your own head, right? Positive self-talk. Um, one of the biggest things that I've recognized more frequently recently is with an increased level of awareness, you now start to find synchronicities within the universe. The universe is showing you what you need to see, mm-hmm. right? So you just, I mean, you sharing that is exactly something that I've seen recently. I keep seeing Parkinson's law pop up. Mm-hmm. So because I'm aware and I'm paying attention, I'm like, holy shit, all right, I need to pay closer attention to this. Or if you guys are watching the video, I've got um, a bookshelf behind me. Sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, I read this book. I'll be like, oh, me too. Like, what'd you learn from it? And they'll come up with something that I, I don't remember. And that's the universe being like, all right, you got to go back through it. Yep. Like, I might remember something different. Um, one of those books is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Oh, yeah. One of the best. Yeah. So I listened to that book when I used to take the train into Boston to work in Fidelity. And I clearly did not remember anything. I was sitting down with a realtor and he goes, oh, do you remember, you know, when he was drawing the number on the floor in the factory in terms of how many times they, they went through the cycle? I'm like, nope. And then I'm leaving Fidelity and... Um, one of my colleagues actually sent a book, sent the book to my house. He's like, you should reread this. Yeah. So that's like, that's a awesome. Space from universe. Maybe not like yeah. a light touch. Yeah. Um, pay attention. <laughs> but synchronicities are huge. Yeah. So increased level of awareness, you're going to start seeing more synchronicities. And I think that you can leverage those in order to guide your success. Yeah. I think that's, it's so true, man. And it's, it's all, I, I, I hope everybody can just rewind that for another for two minutes and go listen to what we just talked about because it, it's so true. Uh, it's just, it comes down to really aligning your, to open your eyes and see what's around you and aligning yourself to what, what's, you know, what's around you. I, and we all, we all have the ability to see what's going on. Uh, we just choose to uh, ignore it sometimes, right? And we all see things differently. And so when you pull in another perspective, it makes you go back and relook at something. Um, sometimes it's really eye opening. Sometimes it's not so much, but uh, yeah, it, it's gold, man. Uh, let's talk about something else real quick. Um, let's talk about networking and, and how that has contributed to the success you've had so far. Uh, the reason I say this, because I know we haven't talked about this too much, um, or did we talk about this outside the podcast, but ultimately we met through networking. The majority of yes. business comes from networking. Uh, and you know, So how big of a role is that in your success? Huge. Yeah. You have to provide value, right? And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't know where this like Gary V culture or whatever of like, just send them a DM and hopefully they respond. Right. <laughs> um, but find value. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to leverage Tyler on my team for this example. So somehow Tyler was able to find out my parenting schedule with my son. <laughs> right. So he figured out what weekends I have Connor and what weekends I don't. And on the weekends that I didn't have Connor, he would like hit me up randomly in the afternoon and be like, Hey, you want to go smoke a cigar and talk real estate? And I'm like, Hell yeah, dude. He's like, I'll buy you a cigar. I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, Ale House? And I'm like, oh, so now you figured out like my favorite spot to go and smoke a cigar <laughs> to. Um, or I, I don't know where the story comes from. It's from a, uh, it's from some fucking influencer online where 
there was a door that was closed, right? That some room that he couldn't get in that he wanted to get in. He needed to get in front of this executive. So he learned that this executive loves to read books. So what he did was <clears throat> he curated his book list of what he thought were a series of really important self-development or business books. And one time per week, he would buy a book on Amazon and send a note to the executive direct to his office. And after, I think, 10 weeks, the door opened because the executive saw how serious he was. Yeah. So if you were going to go out and network and you want to get into rooms that are above the level that you're currently playing at, figure out how you bring value to that room. And it doesn't have to be one for one. It could be sharing perspective on something that you saw. Like, honestly, I have people that slide into my DMs and they see things that I'm doing that it wasn't really like top of mind or conscious for me. And then it's going to help drive that conversation. But if I see someone trying to bring value, um, I'll sit down and have that conversation all day. A hundred percent. Have you read the book? Uh, it's called The Third Door by Alex Benayan. No, I'm not Bun, Bun. Yeah, you should write, write it down. This is how I summarize uh, like networking, getting into rooms with people. Um, essentially, the book is like, I, f- I forget the actual storyline, but he's trying to get into a club, right? And so he he didn't pay to get into the club. And so he went to the front door and the you know they essentially said like, no, you can't get in. So he tried to go around at the back, but the back door was locked. And so he ends up getting in the club. And so I guess the question is like, how? Right? And so he calls it the third door. You have to come up with, nobody can just walk right through the front door. And nine times out of 10, the back door is locked. And so for you to actually get into a room with people, you have to do something that stands out in order for you to get through that third door. And so when it comes to networking, it does come down to usually bringing value or sending something to somebody repetitively like you just said knowing that they are going to need this at some point and it eventually comes back to you there's got to be you have to do something special in order to get in front of people uh and that that portion of networking people just skip right over it right it's like okay get, you get dms yeah. hey man uh let's sit down and talk well why would i sit down like what do you mean who are you first of all why would i sit down and talk to you what are you bringing to me and then you know maybe i can bring something to you um going at going ahead with that mentality that i have something that I can bring somebody and knowing that I'm bringing value to them without ever expecting something in return will actually get you that thing in return that you're actually looking for. And so it's all about like this third door concept that, you know, find a way to bring value to somebody and it will pay off. And it doesn't always have to be spending money, right? It, it could be, yes, right, dude, I just bought a deal with Mark uh, in Taunton and the lady's husband passed away. And so I could have just been like, yeah, whatever, like it's a wash. I wrote a hand, I wrote a, a full handwritten letter to her. I had uh, a local flower place deliver flowers to her doorstep. The next day I get a call. She's like, you know what? Like, I really want to continue with this deal. I, you know, you're a nice kid. Like, I re- you know, I really like you. I want this to go well for you. And dude, we ended up closing a deal that we otherwise probably would, it probably would have been a wash because of something so simple that all you had to do was write a letter and send some flowers. Cost me a hundred bucks, right? Like Isn't crazy. You just have to be human. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you listen exactly. to these hard car closers, like, no, no, don't care that her husband died. Show up at the contract, force it to sign, and it's like, no, no, exactly. no. That's exactly. not going to work out well. So that, honestly, I'm reading a book right now by Simon Sinek. It's called The Infinite Game. I think it's called The Infinite Game. But he talks about finite and infinite game, right? So finite is you would have still showed up and said, hey, sign the contract. Infinite game is like, hey, I'm going to show you that I'm a human too and put good, good vibes mm-hmm. into the universe. I'm going to send you flowers. Whether we close or not, like, sorry for what you're going through. It's, it's super challenging. Exactly. That's the infinite game right there. Exactly. Exactly. Somehow these podcasts always, it, it, it always goes so far away from business and it's, you know, it's, 
whatever, networking and mindset and everything. But that, you know, when everybody asks like, what, how do you do what you do? This is what it is. Like this is, it's not about how do I structure my business? No, dude, it's go out there and start doing it. Be an actual human being, you know, be genuine and you'll figure out the business side of it. Like that's the easiest part of it. Um, And so, yeah, man. All right. This has been fantastic. I don't want to keep you too long. Let's give somebody, um, let's, let's give somebody one actionable tip that they can take today to get in the shoes that you're in today. So flipping houses, property management, wholesaling, you know, in the real estate world, what does somebody need to do, uh, you know, an actionable step that they can take right now uh, to get to get to at least closer to where you're at if they haven't started? Chase, personal echo. Wow, I can't speak. I wanted to, I wanted to like drive out. <laughs> Rewind. Chase personal excellence and document your story. So I'm gonna give you a two-party here, right? So personal excellence is how do you become a better version of yourself every single day? The only person you're competing against is the person in the mirror. I think a lot of people get hung up. I mean, you heard Ryan talking about it. There are a ton of property management companies out there. If we are sitting there and we are focused on everybody else in the game, we're gonna lose every day of the week. Mm -hmm. Our focus is how do we drive more value for our current clients and then showcase the value to earn future clients. And it's no different in terms of what I do every day. So when I wake up, I know I gotta get my butt in the gym, right? In order to continue to better myself. Or my goal is typically to read 20 pages a day in order to continue to develop my mind, right? So if you want to continue to achieve higher and higher levels, it's that daily discipline of chasing personal excellence to develop the skills that you need. And it's literally that simple. If you can, you know, move your body, drink some water, <laughs> get some fresh air outside, and then build your mind, whether it's reading books, articles, listening to podcasts, those are going to be the skills that you leverage to develop to chase whatever dream you have. Love it, man. Love it. And I love, again, it doesn't even have to do with business. It's like, it just... You never. That's why I tell people, real estate shit's easy. Real estate's it's easy. So... Forget about that, right? Like... <laughs> Work on you first. Yeah. <laughs> Work on how you're going to provide results for what, whatever you want to do. The yeah. business stuff, you'll figure out. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate it, man. This has been fantastic. People are going to get a ton of value from this. Uh, it's been great chatting with you, and I'll, I'll, see, you, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>